Thank you for listening to the following film's podcast. Today I'm joined by the director of God Exists. Her name is Pertunia. The film is based on a true story and takes place in a small town in Macedonia. Every 19th of January for the holiday of Epiphany, the throwing of the cross event takes place in almost all the Orthodox world of Eastern Europe. The local priest throws a wooden cross into the river and hundreds of men dive after it. Good fortune and prosperity are guaranteed to the man who retrieves it. This time, the young woman, Pertunia, dives into the water on a whim and manages to grab the cross before the others. Her competitors are furious. The local population as well as the religious establishments are outraged as women aren't allowed to take part in the ritual. All hell breaks loose, but Pertunia holds her ground. The next day in an interview to the local television station, she encourages more women to jump for the cross in the future. She is labeled by the population as crazy, disturbed, and troubled. God Exists and Her Name is Pertunia will be in theaters and virtual cinemas on June 25th. If you happen to live in New York or Los Angeles, try to see this in a theater. Obviously, if, if you're comfortable, if you have your shot and you haven't been to the cinema in a while, I can't think of a better way to jump back in. If not, check out the show notes for a link to the full list of theaters. If you'd like to support the podcast, become a subscriber today and you'll get access to all of our new episodes days before non-subscribers. Archived episodes over six months old and exclusive content. Just go to anchor.fm slash following films slash subscribe. Big thanks to Bookmans for sponsoring the show and thanks to Fort Worth for letting us use the song at the end. Hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to do this. Well, are you in Macedonia right now or where yes. are you? Yes, I'm in Skopje. And what time is it there right now? Well, it is uh, 5, 5 p.m., 9 hour difference. Okay. Well, thank you for taking time out of your night to do this. I appreciate it. No problem. No problem. It's a pleasure. It's the minimum I can do. <laughs> well, uh, how are things going there right now? I, I The only thing I hear is your soccer team apparently is doing very well. That, that's kind of all I've heard about it recently. That, that is like already more than most of people <laughs> in such a small country. So uh, thank you for uh, uh, being in. Uh, yes, yes, they're, they're doing good. No, it's good. Uh, vaccination is going good. Uh, it's uh, surprising. <laughs> Understood. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you about this film because I really loved this story and it was something I wasn't familiar with and apparently it's a, a true story so I'm wondering could you talk a little bit about um, this idea this kind of um, <laughs> this small t story that grabbed you and what made you wanted to make a film about this you know it, it is um, uh, as you might have already read or guessed it, it is um, uh, an event uh, called Vodici that happens every year so basically, we grew up with this, but not really grew up because during Yugoslavia, ex-Yugoslav time, we were communist, social democracy. So really, religion did not have a great importance. With the Balkan Wars, with Bosnia and the separation of Yugoslavia, um, nationalism rose and religion became more and more important. And therefore, events like this became sort of like the, the show of ground for a... Uh, uh, Balkan macho masculinity, etc., etc. Well, um, and really to celebrate religion and to distinguish ourselves from other ethnicities, other religions, etc., etc. It was the base of the separation of Yugoslavia. So anyway, so um, 
the the avidity uh, in the past 20 years since the wars it has really become a very very important uh, event um, um, very important and it is something that you know it is um, uh, recorded that you can watch on the national television etc etc uh, and um few years ago, uh, my sister actually, when the actual person jumped across, it was a great big event. All of a sudden, uh, there was a woman. It has never happened before. This woman caused the cross. This woman refused to return the cross. So it was like a, a little revolution in the small town of Stig. So uh, this woman gave an interview. My sister watched it. And in this interview, she was very interesting because... It's a woman from a small town, a very honest, distinguished woman, very uh, common-looking woman who mm -hmm. said, "Listen, why not? Why me as a woman would not have the right also to have a happy year?" And when we heard this in this interview, we said, "Oh my God, this is incredible! This woman, you know, it's not just uh, an act uh, by a chance." It was very deliberate action because she really was very, um, she was very clear about why she did it. Because hmm. she also added, I hope from now on more women will jump for the cross. So, of course, we could not have stayed idle on this event. You know, as a filmmaker, you're always looking for something, you know, the story that will present um, uh, 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 that will paint the best picture of the time we live in. And this event, uh, this story was exactly this. So we put ourselves to work. And also, another reason why we decided was, um, although this was a really important event um, that happened, it was quite amazing the way the media reacted to it. Um, basically, it was announced in the news as a um, uh, black, uh, uh, we call it black news, sort of like a woman jumped with the cross, ha, ha, ha. She okay, so, yeah. So funny. So we were quite frustrated as women filmmakers that, as, as women actually in Macedonia, that actually what she did, her action did not uh, create uh, some kind of discussion, you know, at least somebody said okay why she was very clear why she did it so mm. there was no discussion about the significant of the significance of her act so we said okay let's um, do something we make a film and maybe we can start the discussion now that's interesting because the way that you present it in the film it's she kind of is pushed in by all these men that she's kind of caught up in the tide of these men heading down to the to the water to jump for this cross. And it feels like it was just sure sheer happenstance that she's there and that she's just kind of like the way that she's wading through life, looking, she's jobless and kind of is somewhat rudderless in her trajectory. And she just ends up in this situation and says, screw it, I'm going to do it. And it's just in that moment, she's like, why not me? Um, what made you decide to change that piece of it to that kind of uh, less intention? You know, uh, actually, because of uh, the, the world we live in, you know, the world belongs uh, to you, to men still. Yeah. We live in a patriarchal society. And, you know, we were very aware that actually 
it is very difficult to follow for audience to follow and for audience to accept uh, a person who from the first moment it is very feministic and very sure of herself uh, and also we were aware that it's very gratifying for you as an audience for any audience to see a trajectory the development of somebody somebody who will well Petrunia liberates herself but also she 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 grows into a, a action figure a figure who yeah. will induce change in society so we thought in terms of dramaturgy and in terms of well really making change because we do believe art can change minds we, uh, we really believe it was a calculated choice that by making her you know this lazy girl who doesn't do anything and who develops into this force of change uh, it is a very um, effective tool to uh, make the point we're trying to make well and but there are these moments early on that i think show her as a fully realized individual the way that she talks about just being happier when she's naked and it's almost this idea that it's not a sexual thing it's just putting down all the facade all the guard and she just is happier and more comfortable when none of the bullshit is there and that's it's something that i really love about this character that i do feel like she's in that place emotionally at that point and she just kind of needs the rest of the world to catch up with who she is Exactly. She needs some affirmative action. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some, some opportunities for her to blossom. Um, you know, for example, it's interesting that you mentioned this uh, point. Um, uh, when, uh, when we wrote the script, uh, it was uh, an actress. It was not really uh, written for Zorita. When, uh, when I met Zorita, of course, there was certain... Um, uh, um, a measure of falling in love with her mm -hmm. as an actress. And uh, um, so basically when I decided to give her the role, we adapted the script for her. And um, in the course of this, we talked a lot about how she feels in her body. And, and for example, this point uh, came from her, from uh, actually her personal experiences of being uh, uh, around women Right. And uh, 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 feeling comfortable in her skin, but not being accepted by the norms of the society. So there were many things um, that were sort of discovered in the rehearsal period that 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 found way in the the final script. And and I and I love that it feels very intentional in that way, and the the marriage of the reality of your actress and of this character and pulling those together. It, it, feels very complete in that way. Today's episode of the Following Films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. So last week when I went into Bookman's, I picked up a copy of Quick and the Dead, and that had me thinking about films that deserve or have had reevaluation, like Halloween 3 that I mentioned. But I wasn't looking for that film specifically. I was thinking of something a little bit different and just kind of open to a lot of these films, these ideas of films that have aged well, that society has taken or the film going public has taken a second look at, or at the very least, maybe critics have taken a second look at. And so when I walked into Bookman's with that in mind, I went over to the Blu-ray section and I came across a copy of The New World. And if you're not familiar with The New World, this was Terrence Malick's fourth film. He was a director who made um, Badlands in the early 70s, which is a movie about this couple that's on a murderous crime spree and then Days of Heaven, 
which was about a love triangle between two laborers and a wealthy farmer during the First World War. Both films are absolutely beautiful to look at. In fact, I think Days of Heaven um, was a film that was noted for having been shot entirely at magic hour. That's the one hour before sunset when you can just capture incredibly beautiful uh, images. And then after that, he took a 20-year hiatus. Uh, and then he came out with The Thin Red Line in 1998, which was nominated for a couple of Academy Awards, including Best Director and Best Adapted Screenplay. But it came out at the same time as Saving Private Ryan and was really overshadowed by Spielberg's film. And these are very different uh, takes on the subject matter. And in fact, The Thin Red Line is one of those ones that didn't sort of capture the culture uh, imagination at the time because of the Spielberg film, but it is something that was well received by critics and something that has continued, I think, to grow in popularity over the years. Then after that, another seven year break, and he came out with The New World. So at this point, Terrence Malick had released three films over the course of almost 30 years that were all critically well received, um, if not all financial successes. And then it seemed like the new world would be his first chance at making this financial success, stepping into something that was more um, appealing to mass audiences. It starred Colin Farrell and it was a story of Jamestown. But his approach to the film, to the story, was completely different than anything we had seen before. It was more akin to an epic poem than it was to a typical narrative. And with that, it was something that was really interesting. But not something that was necessarily digestible to a mainstream audience. The film contains some of the most beautiful images that Malik has ever captured, um, which says a lot because even his misfires that have come later in his career over the last you know 10 years or so, they're always interesting to look at and often quite beautiful. But this film, between the performances, the score, the imagery, it's just, an, for lack of a better word, it's an intoxicating film. It's one of, I think, his best films, if not his best film. It's definitely up there with Days of Heaven, in my opinion, and something that I've come around to more over the last 20 years or so since its initial release. I guess it's been 16 years since its uh, initial release. And... Really, it was because of this Criterion Blu-ray release that came out that I was able to pick up at Bookman's. And it was something that I had seen it on the Criterion streaming service, but it was one that I hadn't actually picked up a physical copy of. One that I had been meaning to grab at some point in time because it's one of those ones that my wife has never seen. And I really wanted her to check it out. And it's no longer on the Criterion streaming channel, but it's just a great film. And that's one of the things I love about going into Bookman's. Every time I go in there, I find something unique interesting and they always have what I'm looking for, especially when I don't know exactly what I want. I just have this idea of something that I might be interested in and they nail it every time. So remember Bookman's, they have your cool covered. Enjoy the rest of the show. And your film has one of my favorite opening shots I've seen in quite some time where you really, that shot that you decide to open on, it really does kind of tell the whole story of this character of being in this empty pool and looking up. And it's just such a striking image and the way that that pulls back around to this whole story. I think it's beautiful. And can you talk a little bit about the idea of starting on that specific image? Well, uh, you know, God exists. Her name is Petrunia. 
uh, Jesus walked on water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is this symbolism. Well, you know, uh, the thing is that uh, we had an edit of the, we did these portraits of women along the shooting hmm. uh, in certain locations. Um, uh, and then uh, we, we, in the script, the, the film started with her under the cover when her mother comes. And then it took, uh, well, it takes, uh, I don't know, uh, 15 minutes uh, for her um, uh, interview with the, the boss. So it takes a long time to sort of start liking the character because she starts as a sort of unlikable. I, I, I like her, but unlikable. She's a lazy girl who whose mother brings uh, food in her bed, you know. So she's not an obvious choice, you know, the, the things she does, the way she reacts. Um, and then um, I, I felt there is something missing, something missing. You know, how can you capture the attention of the audience? And how can you, uh, well... Tell what the film is about, as you mm -hmm. said yourself, you know? And then really um, it came, um, of course, there is a lot of reflection, but then things, when there is a lot of reflection, things come uh, as miracles or in dreams, you know? And then uh, we tried, we tried to put this shot uh, and this music, punk music about yeah. rage. <laughs> and I said, okay, if we, if we start the film with this, well, you will be curious. No matter how much you don't agree with this girl who is who you find in a bed, uh, you will be curious to hear what this woman has to say. So that was the idea uh, of this first shot. And uh, yes, it was not in the script. It came. Uh, it is one of these miracles that happened during shooting. You know that our inner intuition brings us to and then you you know something happens well there's this it's this juxtaposition of that shot and that music that really it just it's it's unbalancing and i immediately i just started laughing i was like oh this is i'm in for something interesting this yeah. is i, I you, you you get your attention and it's um it kind of reminded me of uh the opening to funny games uh, I'm the, where it has that, you know, their peaceful, tranquil thing where they're riding in this car and just this music in the background that doesn't fit at all. And you're like, okay, I'm in for something interesting here. Now where the stories go completely different, but it does, it, it just made me feel very uh, warm in a way where I was like, okay, I'm interested in what's going on here. And then seeing the relationship immediately between her and her mother, it's, it's funny. It's not what you would normally expect. And it's, it's something that I, I liked her right away. I did, I just saw her and that relationship with her mother. And it's not a, the film isn't telling me to like her, but the filmmakers obviously like her and there's an affection for her immediately. And I think you're not putting your nose down at her. And that and then because you feel that warmth, me as an audience member, I felt that towards her as well. So no, I didn't have that reaction where she's unlikable. Yes, but you know, it is, you see, every character is likable as long as you understand them. Mm. You know, so the trick is about putting scenes and uh, making them understand them. And this first shot is really about her inner range, rage that she feels inside, and the the monk, the not possibility to express herself 
So really, it is about yes, understanding her. Yeah, and it's um, and it and it goes a long way to that. And that, this is solely a character piece, and it's about her and this journey. But because anybody that has any identifies as being an outsider that feels that they're not a part of the thing that is the societal push. Um, and I, I, it could be a gender issue. It could be a religious issue. It could be social class issue. It feels like, I think that this is a deeply relatable story. And I saw a lot of myself in her um, being kind of a, a lost 30 something. I, yeah, I get that. I remember that feeling of 30 at 32 years old, not knowing exactly where I was going to go. I saw people that had already started their families and were heading off and they felt like they had everything together. And I just, I haven't done anything yet. And it's just, I get this character. And so to have somebody that could not on its surface would be, seem so different. I think that the way that you tell her story is utterly relatable. Mm. I mean, I'm happy that you say this as a man. Um, because yeah. uh, I, we we never thought of this film as a, a woman's story. It is really, as you say, about um, everybody who is on the margins, you know, yeah. who, who 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 doesn't satisfy uh, certain rules of society, of existence, of looks. So you know, uh, I I just had uh, last week a lot of interviews because the film is in cinema in Japan. And the film really works. Japanese love it. Interesting. <laughs> Men and women, they're really <laughs> relating on a very profound way to Petrunia. So, you know, you, you say to yourself, the, the power of art, you know, a little Macedonian film that makes a, a Japanese and hopefully American uh, population so. boil. <laughs> well, right. think about it. If, if society by design is intended to be repressive, it's it's to mold us all together. So we all have a sense of not being fully realized. We all have that feeling. That's something that we all go through. And you look at Japan, of course, that from the outside, I have no experience going. I've never been to Japan. I know only a handful of Japanese people that are actually from there. But from the outside, it does seem like a rather repress repressive culture here okay. in the United States. This, um, despite the way that we see ourselves, we like to tell ourselves we're a very free country. We're very free if you happen to believe a very certain narrow <laughs> set of beliefs and that you live a very specific lifestyle. If you're outside of that, it can be a very repressive country. So I think this will be a film that connects with people here. I can't imagine a society this won't connect with. Oh, I, I hope, I hope it works. And so has that been the surprise then for you is how people have reacted to your little film that you wouldn't imagine this is going to go around the world when you're making this, I assume. No, no, no. I did not imagine. And when you make a film, you don't, uh, you don't, you know, you don't, you, you're just happy to make a film, you know, it's not so easy to make a film, but um, uh, when it happens, it's, it is, um, uh, of course, it is gratifying. It's good for your ego. But for me, it's been like, oh, my God, I just have to do better next time. <laughs> it has been, you know, this big challenge. Like when you understand the power of reaching hearts and reaching minds. Uh, wow, it is such a great opportunity. And um, 
uh, amazing opportunity, but also a great responsibility. Mm. I just I just feel privileged to be able to make films, and you know, of course, not every film will work on. Uh, as uh, Petrunia did, uh, uh, my, I, it's not my first film. I have made films right. before um, that uh, some I consider better than Petrunia, you know. But but um, anyway, the, the, the thing is, um, listen, it's great uh, to, to be able to express yourself through arts. It's great to be able to express yourself and to, to voice your opinion as Petrunia does and to voice your opinion through and to change something through art and through cinema. There is nothing more beautiful. Of course. And do you think you need to, that that being aware of that responsibility could hinder your voice though? Because I, I feel like this wasn't, this film wasn't made from a, it, it doesn't come across as a film that was made with that intention in mind that you were just telling this story that you were yeah. telling a personal story that you connected with in that if you start thinking beyond yourself and start thinking beyond the immediate people that you're working with, that you can get bogged down by trying to satisfy and speak to all these different things that really, I think this works because it's so specific and personal. And because of that, it speaks to a much larger group of people, if that makes sense. No, no, it's beautiful what you're saying. Something specific and personal that actually it has to be specific and personal yeah. and not generalized in order to, 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 well, that's the, that's the balance. That's the beauty. You know, we all start from a very specific place. For example, this film is very um, personal for me because as a Balkan woman, it talks about all the frustrations that I have been living with and fought against all my life since I was a little girl. Uh, but it is, um, I think there is a balance. I think, of course, uh, audience needs to understand. We cannot, uh, we are not uh, making uh, films for ourselves. Right. So our films and stories need to be readable. But also, you know, they need to be understandable. You can, so that is, that's why we have dramaturgy. That's why we have beginning, development and end and so forth. Sure. Uh, but also, I think, uh, I think, uh, well, I lost my point. <laughs> <laughs> I went a little bit, uh, uh, no, uh, what I was trying to say, I was talking about um, making a balance. Yes, I wanted to talk about um, doing compromises. Mm. It is a very peculiar balance because it's such an expensive art we have to be aware of the money we are spending. It's not only an art, it's an industry. So there is a responsibility also that comes. We don't have the ultimate freedom. Nobody has, you know? Mm. Um, so I think working within the restrictions, uh, budgetary restriction or story-wise restriction, it is, there is art in it. And to be able to tell to, to feel free and to tell what you want to say within certain limits, because to be honest, limits always exist. Yeah. You know, I have to present the project to the Commission of Denmark or Belgium. I have to uh, uh, present the script and the project to the sales agent and to the distributor, because without them, I cannot. 
So yes, we are satisfying certain uh, things that the market is asking for, but that doesn't mean that we are we are uh, in a prison. No, no. And always to have in mind that audience and the market, it's much smarter than what we think we are. You should not never try to satisfy what, just what you think the people are ready. You always have to push the boundaries in terms of way of storytelling, in terms of cinematic form, in terms of uh, um, actor acting uh, mm-hmm. devices and styles. So it is, uh, yeah, it is a, it, it is a quite a beautiful dance. Well, and that's why you see film as a living art progress. The style of acting, the style of execution, it's it's changes as the years go on. And that's because people push those boundaries and they see new ideas that we're willing to accept. And if I think the one barometer that just you need to go by is if it works for you as the creator, then if it's working for you, it's going to work for other people. If you're trying to satisfy other people intentionally by doing it, it, it you might make a film that works, but I, I think that even an audience that isn't conscious of it, there's a cynicism there that we can feel and it doesn't feel genuine. It doesn't feel pure. It doesn't feel honest, those kinds of things. And when somebody's heart is there, if this is the story they want to tell, I think that comes through when you're creating art. Yeah, it's possible. There is also another thing that it has taken a long time to sort of, uh, um, not accept, but develop. Mm. This is something that actually maybe more of us women have like the courage and believe in yourself because we are raised in a society where as the as little girls we are not um, told and encouraged that everything is possible that actually you are you you are just as good as any other boy is yeah. and i know we live in an exciting world where things are changing and the new generations are not having these kind of limits you know uh, I call it also self-censorship, you know, yeah. when you, yeah. so, uh, but it is for me, I will tell you my personal story. It has taken me years to, to, to come to a point where I say, uh, I can do it. I can, I can cross this border. I have the right to be here. I can tell this story. Uh, I'm just as good or better than, uh, yeah. But it is my generation. I think new generations are much uh, more freer than than we were. So uh, uh, I uh, admire them for this. <laughs> well, and you you mentioned the. Um, I assume we're around the same age. I'm 45, and so um, when I was growing up, I know the world was a much different place as far as. Um, just things that were acceptable. It felt like it was a much more narrow world, the voices that would be heard. And it's completely different. I know we haven't gotten there. It's not completely to where we need to be, to where it's equal, or it's just simply the best voice rising to the top. And it doesn't matter who the voice is coming from, just the most interesting story is rising. Um, There's still a lot of work to do, but it is a much different world than I think we were both born into. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. Just in the last, when I started making films 20 years ago, just the atmosphere, the attitudes on the set towards a woman on a set, etc., etc. Just the rules of the game were so different. And the change with the Me Too movement, yeah. with all these, uh, uh, well, we are discussing things on a much uh, 
uh, open uh, in a much open way and i think it has uh, pushed us into um, in amazing spaces really i mean yes we have a lot of problems the world is falling apart but in the same time we are freeing ourselves our freedom of well freedom of expression i wanted to say there is a big problem with this because if you read the like the latest UN report, <laughs> yes. freedom of expression is falling down. So I'm here going into a dangerous water. But yeah, yeah. where we are moving, there's it's author- authoritarianism is spreading right now. Um, there's just that idea of freedom of expression is being shut down more. It's not being as welcome. But I feel like that's the ebb and flow. That's the, it's a normal cycle that happens when we just, we kick open the door and then it starts pulling back and then it's just going to go back again further. And at least that's what I'm hopeful for. Hopefully, in Europe, it is incredible what you, what is happening. You you must know it it is, uh, it is something that, you know, we are a little bit scared of. (laughs) Um, Yeah. With the, the, the plane that was taken down, was that like two weeks ago now, something like that, where just flying over free space and flying. Belarus. Yeah. That guy. I mean, it's just, these are gangsters that are running countries and it's, we've, it felt like we were kind of getting past that point and that it's still here and that we're welcoming it with open arms, not we, but as there's people that support it and I, I don't get it. So, uh, but I, I have faith that this won't last, that we'll keep pushing forward and get, better and stronger. Oh, I, I have a teenager son and he was doing his application for university and he's very much interested in politics. And he, in his, you know, motivation statement, he said, I dream of a world where I, as a sociologue or philosopher, will be part of a government. <laughs> no more economists. That's a great, I, I love that idea. I absolutely yes. love that idea. It's, um, yeah, if you if you live your life with all um, all economic theory, all science without any philosophy, it seems like a, a really empty life to me. Um, because I, I, I guess I'm just a more sensitive human being, where the emotional side of life is what matters to me. Those are the things that drive me, that connect me. I mean, clearly, I'm, I'm we're both sitting here talking about art for a half hour, <laughs> you know, this kind of thing. So I, I think that. But the importance of that to even the average person, even if they don't express it, I think that they most people do have that connection, whether it's reading a book, watching a movie, watching a show, finding stories outside of yourself. And you talk about this um, idea of women not being not being told to express themselves and not having that voice by a society. And it doesn't make any damn sense because most of us, the first people that are telling us stories that are teaching us how to tell stories are the women in our lives. It's our mothers that are teaching us those things. And then it's that it's, we're moving past it, I hope. So yeah, I'm glad to have your voice out there and I want more voices like yours. They're coming. There are many, 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 many. It is, it is uh, yeah. um, I hope. Uh, <laughs> And so your film is being released on the 25th of June, I believe. Is that correct? And that'll be uh, in virtual cinemas. So it'll be something where, from my understanding, where you can do it with local theaters and support them and watch it online. Or is it getting a theatrical release as well? 
I think there is a th- theatrical release also, but I'm not sure because okay. I am. I'm. I'm not. You would have to. I. I really don't know. I know they asked me to maybe go to New York. I'm preparing a new film. I'm shooting in August, so it's very difficult for me to um, to actually uh, promote the film in distribution. This is possible through Zoom, but it's uh, you know how it is when you prepare a film. Uh, it takes all of your time and attention. So I'm. I really don't know how the film will be released. Well, but I know in New York, they asked me to present the film in theater. So. Oh, good. That's great. That, that's fantastic. Yes. And this, I wish um, this was something that I hope that I do get to see with an audience because there's a lot of moments here. I think that they're pretty big and broad that I would love to see, to feel that energy. Uh, because if I'm laughing out loud with a film if I'm being moved by a film by myself at you know seven in the morning watching it alone on a computer screen, I think that in a theater that power would only grow, and I would really hope to get to see this. We need cinemas, and you must see it in cinema because then, like all these uh, funny release points, are even more funny and more overwhelming. When we yeah. had the premiere in Berlin. I, it was crazy. I've never experienced that because I never set up to make a comedy. It was bad because actually the comic side in the film comes from the situation. It's mm-hmm. situational comedy. You know, it's a Buster Keaton kind of comedy. Um, so anyway, we have a screening premiere of the film and the whole, whole, and in Berlin, the whole is, I don't know, 3,000 people, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah. Was laughing. People are, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and the minister of culture of Germany is sitting next to me, and she she laughs, laughs. She looks at me and she goes, boom, you know. She gives me, oh, bro, <laughs> for every laughing point, she was really physical with me. It was really funny premiere. It was really funny. See, and that, and that's what I I could you could feel that, and I and I think this is it's an. It's not something where things feel like they're being played for the joke, um, and it never feels dishonest in that way. It feels like it's always grounded in the story. It's always grounded in an emotional honesty, but there's absurdity in these situations that we can laugh at, but also that laughter is because there is a sense of tragedy there, that these things are happening, that there is that sense of, dear God, we're still here, aren't we? Like it, And especially when you look as an outsider, when we look at religious specifically, um, I guess religious um, activities, when you look at things where they do these things year after year after year from an outsider, it can look crazy. But then from the inside, when you're living in that culture where it's a part of it, it's just, oh yeah, that's just that thing we do. And so it's kind of the way that we look back at Greek mythology. It seems absurd from this distance when you look back at Egypt or anything like that. But then when you're actually in the middle of that, it just is what it is. And I think that this, it's just close enough, but it's still a bizarre act that it does end up feeling there's an absurdity there. It's true. It's true. It's a, yes. It's so, yeah. But you know, even to me, it feels quite absurd. I don't want, and, I, and it's one of those things I try to be sensitive to it and I never want to insult people about those kinds of things, but when it's so clearly alienating, then there's a problem with it. And I think it's okay to, point a little bit of a finger there, but 
it, if as long as your religious traditions are not hurting anybody, they're not excluding people, I'm fine with it. Even if I don't own them as my as my own, I'm fully supportive of it. I know spirituality and religion is deeply important to a large portion of the people on this planet. It's just personally, I don't connect with that. But I, I think that if the things that I the taking that me too mentality, um, the self analyzing that needed to happen after that, and the things that I've personally done that may have made people uncomfortable. And that's something that we have to question. And we need to question that with all aspects of our lives, you know, be it our religion, our career, you know, is what I'm doing hurting someone. And I think if you lead with that as a thought, the world will be a much better place. Wow. I should tell this to more people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's, and thank you for, uh, for making a film that inspires that kind of thought. So that oh. it's it's it was wonderful to spend a little bit of time in that headspace and just a reminder that I need to be a little bit more thoughtful. So and while never being on a soapbox, making an entertaining film at the same time. That's a, it's a rare thing to find something that balances that well. So thank you for that. Thank you. And thank you for taking the time today. I, I really appreciate it. And best of luck with the film. And I'm definitely looking forward to whatever it is that you're working on in August, because uh, I'm a fan. I'm going to go back and check out some of these films that you like more than this one. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna... to... The previous film I like very much, When the Day Had No Name. Okay. I, I, am, I, will, I will watch that tonight. Okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's a interesting, and you can write me what you think. I will. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I appreciate you're it. You're welcome. Thank you. And uh, yes, me made the film work in the U.S. of A. It will. Yeah. This is going to, people will find this. This is something that people are going to share with each other. I, I don't, well, yeah. If I connected this deeply with it, I think that other people will too. And then I'm going to tell people. So those people, they'll tell others and it'll build out for sure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Nice, Thank you. Uh, day. Have a nice day. <laughs> Enjoy your night. And <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down Wish me luck, give me hope
Voice Crack.